0: we 're going to be talking about salvation today a little bit in 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 uh, the book of Romans, the fifteenth chapter we 're in the seventh verse, and we 're not going to get much further than that. please forgive me, but we 're just going to look at this one verse because I wanted to concentrate on where where Paul was saying to the church body as I want to kind of drive home to us as a a group of believers how we are to care for one another, so th- we 're to uh, we're to care for each other we're to accept each other just as Christ has accepted us and it says to the glory of God now there's that really struck me this this week when I started to study those few words to the glory of God what does that mean how do we give God glory well it's obvious he says in the 15th chapter of Romans we we glorify the Lord when we accept one another when we when we love one another, when we treat each other with care and, and kindness. But the other way that we glorify God magnificently is by accepting Him as our Savior. That gives God glory. And so I wanted to kind of concentrate on that, if you don't mind, and just uh, talk about that in the message today uh, so that we kind of catch what what is Paul saying. You see, the reason I think this is kind of important is that uh, this passage, where we are right now, closes closes the major theological section in the letter that Paul wrote to the people in Rome, which has been passed on to us. So we're to study it, we're to try to figure out what was Paul saying to those people in Rome so that we can incorporate that into our lives today. And he closes with discussing unity within the body of Christ, within the church, and, as I mentioned already, giving glory to our Lord in all that we do. So it says in verse 7, Romans 15, verse 7, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us, to the glory of God. I said last week a a psalm that... um, that I absolutely adore. It's Psalms 133, it's the first verse. It's simple as this. It's David saying, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Just a simple, pure verse. How pleasant, how good it is for us to dwell together in unity. And that, 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 flies over into all parts of our lives, that we are to be in unity with one another. The word in verse 7 of of Romans chapter 15, except, and I'm going to pray in a moment, is P-R-O-S-L-A-M-B-A-N-O, proslamo, I think it is in the Greek. It carries the meaning of receiving something or receiving someone to oneself with special concern, with special care. And this word is used another time in the New Testament. It's used in the book of Philemon. Philemon is um, just one chapter. It's a a story of Paul meeting a a certain slave by the name of Onesimus who had run away from Philemon, tried to escape. He came upon Paul in, in prison. And Paul led Onesimus... To Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and then Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon to make amends for leaving him. And in that story, Paul t- says to Philemon, "Accept Onesimus as your brother." I want—I'm going to show you this story in a moment. I want to open up in prayer. I this story to me is a real kind of a picture, a hidden picture, if you would, of of Paul's heart. And you'll see Paul, how he, I don't know if it's true or not, but let me just say it, the way I read it, how he manipulates Philemon to do what he is asking him to do with Onesimus. Now, whether it's a manipulation or not, I'm not certain. I'll just leave that up to you to decide. I know what I think about it when I read it. And it always makes me smile, and I say to myself, Paul, you are really something else. You are, I can't wait to lay my eyes on you, Paul. I can't wait. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Let's thank God for this day. Uh, By the way, may I remind any of the men uh, who can, come tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We're studying through a certain book. We're in the fourth chapter. And... uh, if you haven't read the book, if you've not been a part yet, you really haven't missed it that much. We, we just kind of have fellowship. We kind of discuss certain things. We go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail, which is perfectly fine. And uh, I'd love for you to come. Uh, we have a really a good time, guys. We, uh, we kind of enjoy one another, get to know each other a little better, have a, a more of a, a flavor of the church. I, I like it because there are younger guys there with some of us who are older. And and it's there's a pretty good blend, and it and it seems to fit together really well, and so guys, if you can come tomorrow night at uh, at seven o'clock, and we usually fellowship for a while, just talk and have a little bite, a little something to little snacks to have to eat, and and some some coffee or some some soft drinks. I don't know what's even in there because I'm always busy talking with everybody and. Uh, then we study for approximately an hour, maybe 45 minutes, and then you're, you can go as you wish. So that's open for you guys. It's in the cafe. It's tomorrow uh, at 7 o'clock. Father, uh, enough of that. I, I pray that you will now really bless this, your, your word. Uh, thank you for the music we get to sing. Thank you for this day. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, so kind, Father, what you, uh, what you bring into our lives. I know some of us are walking through deep waters, and it's hard to say <coughs> that's uh, it's it's easy because for some of us right now it's it's difficult. And yet um, we spoke of the other night about uh, about David, King David, in his psalm saying, "The Lord is my shepherd; therefore, I shall not want." And Lord, that uh, that's a very good reminder for us of how you are our shepherd and how because we are your sheep, we shall not be in want. But sometimes, Father, you must admit uh, it's difficult for us to grasp that. We're humans and we're frail. And so I pray you bless us, that you would open up our eyes, first and foremost, that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And then, Father, that you would give us the ability to to incorporate that into our lives as we see fit. Whatever it is that we need to to use to minister to us this day, Would you help us? Uh, Thank you so much, Father. I pray that you'd move me aside, um, only because I believe this is really an important message as far as salvation is concerned. And I don't want to stand in the way of what you want to say with each individual here. Um, I don't know, uh, Father, who is saved and who is not. I have a pretty good idea, but um, only you really know. And so we leave all of that to you, and we ask that you would help us through uh, all of these Times in our lives, so Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all good things that you bring our way. Um, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We give glory to God. (coughs) Obedience is one of the key things that you and I can do to give glory to God. Um, And so He says here in 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 Romans chapter fifteen and verse seven. We glorify the Lord when we accept one another. But there are other ways of glorifying the Lord. Now, I would love for you to find Philemon. Philemon is not easy to find. It's just one small chapter, and it's near the end of the New Testament. So go to the right, and you're going to go past First and Second Timothy, and then a, a little book called Titus. Then there's Philemon. If you've gotten to the book of Hebrews, you've gone just one book too far. Philemon is that one chapter, one book written just before the book of Hebrews. Now I'm telling you how to get there, and oh, I got it marked. I got it marked. I knew we were going to be there, <laughs> so I don't have to figure out where it is. I already got it. In Philemon, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. It tells you and me about the heart of Paul. And 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 enjoying reading scripture is part and parcel the. The, the wonderful joy of getting to know the writer, getting to know Paul. Um, I think by now, those of us who have been going through the book of Romans pretty much have a heartbeat of how Paul is tenacious, how he loves to teach, and how he goes over things, almost to a point where you say, enough, Paul, I got it. I, I, uh, I get that, my own self. <laughs> but that's because I don't follow my own guideline. I, I uh, listen to what the Bible has to say, and I try to follow it. So, Paul is in prison, in this, in, in, written in the book of Philemon. And it says, uh, Paul starts off verse 1, I'm a prisoner of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to Timothy, our brothers, and to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. Now, he says in verse 10, we'll jump there. He's talking to Philemon. Philemon, I appeal to you for my child, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, Onesimus. That's a way of saying Philemon, while I've been in prison, I bumped into one of your slaves, and he came to me, I got to know him, and I have led him to our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is now, as he says in verse 20, I mean, verse 10, I, the one whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who, now watch, watch what Paul says, verse 11, I like this, who was formerly useless to you. Now, wait a minute. Paul never seen Onesimus work for Philemon, to my knowledge. He didn't know him beforehand. How does he know he is useless? I think Paul is saying... Anyone outside of the family of God is of no, <laughs> of no value. Now, I, maybe I'm reading into something here. So I don't want you to just take it because I say it. This is the way I take it. Paul says, he was at once useless to you, but, watch, now he is useful. Both for you, Philemon, and for me, Paul. He says, I have sent him back. Look, verse 12. I have sent him back to you in person. That is, I am sending you my very heart. Uh oh. Uh oh. Paul's starting to dig into Philema now. I'm not only sending you back Onesimus, who used to be your slave, but I am also sending with him my heart. Oh, Paul, you dog. Watch. Whom I wish to keep with me. In other words, I would have wanted to keep Onesimus with me because he has been helpful. But in your behalf, so that he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, he says in verse 14, I did not want to do anything that your goodness should not be, as it were, by compulsion or by your own free will. In other words, I would want to keep him for myself. I'm not, because he is your slave, so I'm sending him to you. But with him, I'm sending my heart, and oh, how I wish I could have kept him. But I'm not going to keep him. I'm sending him back to you. Look what he says now. For perhaps, verse 15, he was for this reason parted from you for a while that you should have him back forever. <laughs> He's saying now, he ran away from you. Perhaps it was of... The, no, not perhaps. I believe it was of the Lord's will. But, but Paul said, perhaps it was of the Lord's will. He ran away from you so that he could bump into me and I could lead him to Christ. Oh, Paul's a dog here. He's really setting Philemon up to get Onesimus back to himself. Look it. So I can send him back to you, verse 15, so that you might have Him back, not for this time, but forever. He is now a part of the family of God. We will be brothers and sisters forever. Now watch. He says in verse 16, He is no longer a slave, but more than a slave. He is now a beloved brother, especially to me, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and... And in the Lord, verse 17. Now here's where the word accept, I, I did all of this to get to this one word in verse 17, accept, but it's important. Accept is, as I said to you, carries the meaning of something or someone that, that you have special concern for, special care for. That's why we are to accept each other in this fashion within the body of Christ. So he says in verse 17, if you regard me as a partner, Paul saying to Philemon, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way, well he ran away from him. He, he he left. If he has wronged you in any way, or if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. Don't don't blame don't blame Onesimus. Blame me. Charge it to me. Here's why I think Paul is manipulative. Watch what he says in verse 19. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay you, lest I should mention to you that you owe me, even your own self as well. (laughs) He is saying to you, you owe me, you dog, and I'm sending it back to you, and I'll pay whatever it is that needs to be paid, but... You owe me your life as well. I just, I don't know. Maybe you don't get it. I, I, that's, maybe that's my deal with reading the Bible. I love to read the Bible because it just opens up your eyes to see people and, and, and they're not so much different than you and me. How they use and and, 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 will, and, will, and can use the, the language to try to get them to do perhaps what he would want. Look what Paul says. Having, verse 21. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will even more, you will do even more than what I say. In other words, you, 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 if Philemon keeps Onesimus, Philemon's a dog. He, he's going to send Onesimus back to to Paul, and Paul uses this time to say accept him, accept this brother who was once your slave who ran away from you, and now I'm sending him back. Accept him as now a part of your family. And and if he won't mind, I could use him desperately here. And he, I could have kept him, he said, for myself, but I, I would want to be obedient to send him back to you. But if you don't mind, send him back to me, and I'll repay you anything and everything that that he owes you. But don't forget, You owe me your life. (laughs) Oh boy, Paul, you're good. That's the word accept. In a nutshell, that is how we are to, to love one another here. By accepting each other, caring for each other, our common sharing in unity of God's eternal plan of salvation is the same for each of us. Whether we be slave or free, it matters not. Our example of accepting one another is Jesus Christ. As, as, as Romans, now we'll go back there, Romans fifteen seven tells us, we are to accept one another just as our Lord has accepted us. Therefore, we have been called to receive or respect or accept one another for the glory of God. That's the reason. The reason we are kind to one another, tender-hearted with one another, is so that we can give God the glory in how we act and react as believers in Jesus Christ. You see, when we receive a a fellow brother and sister in Christ, in the full embrace of love, well, that's what Jesus said to His disciples. He says, a new commandment I have given to you. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment, he says, I have given to you that you should love one another. Even as I, Jesus, have loved you, so you should have love for one another. Then he says in the next verse, by this, by this love that, that I have demonstrated to you, by this all men, all the people that come in contact with you guys will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And so our caring for, our loving for one another is is critical within the Word of God. When we are doing what God has done for us, we glorify God through our, our attitude of acceptance. On the other hand, we, we do not glorify Him, but rather disgrace our Lord when we cause another brother to stumble. That's what Paul's been teaching us all along. Don't cause someone to stumble in the family of God. Paul calls attention to the role of Jesus In this verse 7, saying, Just as Christ has also accepted you, and never forget, Paul, I guess, would mention to us what he wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Even while we were yet sinners, our Lord died for us. Can you even imagine? He died for you. He died for you. He died for me. While we were yet sinners, in the hope that we would come and trust and believe in Him as our Savior. You see, any unwillingness on your part or my part not to accept a fellow believer shows a gross attitude or ingratitude. Excuse me, ingratitude on our part, minimizing the acceptance that you and I have already received from our Savior. In and yet, while we were yet sinners, our Lord died for us. You see, forgiven people are supposed to be forgiving people. I didn't make that up copied that out of a commentary. Had to be honest. But I liked it. Forgiven people are forgiving people. And to show a lack of forgiveness indicates that we do not have yet a clear understanding of our of the all the forgiveness that the Lord God has given us. We were already taught in Romans chapter fourteen verse one about acceptance Paul said, Romans 14, 1, except the one who is weak in their faith. He also says in verse 3 of chapter 14, talking about food, but actually he's talking about much more than food. He's talking about anything that might divide one another. He says, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who doesn't eat. And the one who doesn't eat is not to judge the one who does. In other words, we're to get along. Because God, he says in Romans 14:3, God has accepted them. Therefore, so should you and me. <clears throat> Paul teaches us as believers that we are to accept one another without reservation, without judgment. In other words, verse 7, we are to accept just as Christ has accepted us. Jesus profoundly states in in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, just listen to these words. Jesus says, The one who receives you, talking to the disciples, receives me. Then he says, And the person who receives me, receives the Father who has sent me. Therefore, when you and I accept one another, it's tantamount to our accepting Christ and accepting the Father's goodness towards us. One of my favorite verses... Uh, actually 3 of them are in Ephesians they they go from one chapter to the other Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 blends into chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 let me read them to you it says be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you that's a great verse that's Ephesians 4:32 might want to put it to memory Therefore, chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. Verse 2, walk in love, just as Christ also loved you. There's more to verse 2, I'll just leave it at that. That's enough to grab onto. In a church family, even a part of the church family, that is divisive or quarrelsome or contentious or judgmental gives the unbelieving world reason to reject not us so much, but our Savior. And that means that they then therefore by our actions rejects the very one who is their only hope for salvation. That's why it's so important for us to Try to get along. And division saddens our Lord's heart so deeply that He gives a strong warning out. He says, whoever causes, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, He says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a a heavy millstone was hung around their neck and they would be drowned in the depth of the sea. (coughs) He takes it very seriously that we, we treat each other kindly. Now, I had to say this last night, and I want to say it this morning. And I was surprised after the message. um, Quite a few people came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for that part, this part, what I'm going to share right now. And, And actually, it wasn't in my notes. It was just a thought. I'm talking so much, or Paul is so much about forgiveness, that what about someone that has hurt us deeply? What about someone who has really, really, kind of really hurt us what what about them are are we to accept them and and is everything fine and that well i can tell you i had an experience in my life and i won't mention who and i won't mention where any of that stuff and i'll i'll try not to be i'll try to be very vague with it but i want to share it with you just so you kind of catch it i was was hurt really deeply and so was my wife very deeply by a person and um time went by and uh before, oh wow! How do I say this? Well, um, I at one point went to the, every one of the. I, I went to the person and asked for forgiveness. I, I said, "Look, if there is something that I have done that has caused you harm, I I beg of you, please allow me to know what it is. I will repent from it. I will do whatever it will take to make it right. And would you please forgive me?" The person said, "You have done nothing wrong," and I said, "Okay." Forgive me, and I forgive you as well, by the way. That was it. Went my way. person wanted to have fellowship with me. I don't want to have fellowship with him. Oh, I told you, I shouldn't even have told you what uh, gender it was. But, okay, I didn't want to have fellowship with that person because that person hurt, hurt my wife and myself deeply. But you say you already forgave him. Oh, yeah, I've forgiven him. But as far as reconciliation, as far as our, our having fellowship with one another, not so much. Well, that person wanted to meet me, wanted to have reconciliation. I said, praise God. Me too. Me too. So I met with him. We met and I said, look, I said, I'm so thankful. He said, well, he says, I, I want to seek your forgiveness. And I said, oh, you already had it. Don't you remember? I I... I, I I asked for your forgiveness and I forgave you a long time ago. He said, "Oh, good. Then let's have recon- let's let's be reconciled together and have fellowship." And I said, "Yeah." I said, I, well, "Tell me now. Tell me what, what you did to, to cause this pain in my my life and my wife's life." He says, "Nothing. I've done nothing." And I said, "Oh, yes, you have. Yes, you have. Let me tell you what you did." And I went boom, 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 and I told him. He said, "I didn't do that. You're lying." I said, no, I'm not lying. I said, There's, therein lies the problem. I said, I have forgiven you, but as far as you and me being reconciled, I will not reconcile with you until you recognize your sin. That person denied even doing any of it. When, when we have evidence that he, he, he did, not only did it, but he did it, 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 was in, it was in writing. So that's neither here nor there. But the point is, you don't have to just go and make nice with everybody as far as people that have hurt you deeply. You are to forgive them, though. You are to forgive them. Here's the principle. In 1 John 1 9, it says, If we confess our sins, that's our part. If we confess our sins, now God swings into action. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is our part to ask for forgiveness. His part is to cleanse us. Your part, my part, is in a person's life who might have harmed you, is to forgive them. But their part is to make reconciliation work by by admitting to what they have done wrong and making it right again. And how some people can do that, I don't know. But I can tell you that set about, I don't know how many people, there was a, more than a few people came to me and said, that made sense because I have someone in my family who has hurt me deeply. And, and I was thinking, you tell me I'm going to have to uh, you know, gather together with them. And I said, no, you forgive them. But as far as reconciliation, that comes once that person admits to their wrong. And you and I, we are to admit to our wrong as well. And if you're not certain what your wrong is, then you ask them. Ask them, where have I Hurt you? Let me make it right. So we are to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as our Lord has also forgiven us. I want to talk now about salvation. We have a we have a remaining 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Have you ever thought about the wonders of salvation? You see, the real glory that we give to God is by being obedient to Him and, and, and coming to Him for forgiveness of our sin. In so doing, we glorify God. We allow ourselves to say, we are guilty before You. We need You as a Savior, which glorifies the Lord God, our, our Savior. So what does God say about this gift of faith that you and I can experience if you haven't already? What does He say about it? I've I've divided it into three parts. He loves, he forgives, and he's impartial. He does not care who you are. Just like whether you be Onesimus or Philemon. Whether you be a slave or a free person. It doesn't matter to the Lord. In Luke chapter 15, I'm going to jump to some passages. Jesus gives the most wonderful example of his love over the lost. And he uses a parable talking about a shepherd who had lost a a sheep. He had a hundred sheep, and he lost one of them. And it says in Luke chapter 15, what person, our Lord uses this as an example, among you, if they have a hundred sheep and have lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which was lost until they find it. And once they do find it, he says in verse 5, They lay it on their shoulders, rejoicing. In other words, they carry the sheep back into the fold. Verse 6, And when that person comes home with that sheep upon his shoulders, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7 kind of nails it. Jesus then says and brings it down into not sheep, but people. He says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Jesus tells us that no one, absolutely no one is exempt from this joy. He says that He calls all of us. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 He says, Come to Me all of you, any of you, every single one of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, He's not saying a certain amount of you can come. He's saying, come, all of you who are heavy laden, all of you who are weary, I'll give you rest. In John seven thirty seven, Jesus cries out and say He, he stood, cried out and said, If anyone, not just a few of you, if any one of you is thirsty, Come to Me, I will give you drink. If you've not come to Him yet in your life, my question to you is, why not? Why not? Maybe you think, I can't. I am a sinner. I mean, I, it's not that I've done something wrong. If you knew all that I've done wrong, John, you would say, I better straighten myself out before I come to the Lord. And I say to you, that's insane. That's insane. I say to you that our Lord accepts you just as you are. Listen to what he says. We have already reported in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, in while you were yet a sinner, Jesus Christ died for you. That's how much he loves you. He went to the... (laughs) Thanks, Alvin. It was you, wasn't it? Uh, Was it you said yes? You don't even know sometimes you do it. Man, I tell you what, though. I don't know how I'd preach without you. I love you more. I love you more than you'll ever know. I bet you Hutch is smiling in heaven when he hears you go yes. <laughs> in some in some uh, African American churches they go well, don't they? And they go and they go. Um, let's see what else. I, Hutch is teaching me all the things they say. All the things he hears. Well, or come on, come on, come on. <laughs> thank you what (laughs) you didn't tell me that one talk about it he also accepts us in and while we were yet sinners he died for us but a greater reminder is paul's own words paul says in first timothy 115 it is a trustworthy statement paul says deserving full acceptance paul says Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, Paul says, among whom I am foremost of all. So if you think that you've done too much that the Lord can't forgive you of, you're absolutely wrong. Paul did worse than you, he says. And yet the Lord saved him. Some question, why did Jesus Christ hang around with sinners so much? Well, I think I know why. When I was doing ministry with the athletes, with all due respect, they were so much fun. Even the guys that weren't believers, they were fun. In fact, uh, Diane, you love this. Uh, one time I was giving out uh, Bibles. Uh, it was at when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. I remember that very well. And, uh, and, and Ray Malavese was the, the, the coach. And, and I had some, some Bibles I was going to give to the whole team. Rather than give a Bible to just the guys that came to the Bible study, I thought, I can't do that. I've got to give Bibles to everybody. Now, I didn't buy them. The, the, the foundation, the, the Lachman Foundation, gave me Bibles for every player and also printed their name on a leather, leather-bound Bible to give to the guys. There was a problem with the leather, and they couldn't get it done until the end of the year. They were supposed to get the Bibles right at the first of the year, the guys' were. And it didn't come until just before the Super Bowl. Just before the Super Bowl, all the Bibles came. And I was watching the guys get leisure shirts, leisure suits, uh, different articles from people from all over the United States because they were being in the Super Bowl. They were getting free stuff. And I was watching guys throw free stuff in the garbage can. And I thought, ah, I can't. If I see one guy throw a Bible in the garbage can, I will die. So I I went to Ray Malavese and I said, Ray, I said, I got this gift. It's way too late. And I said, I was supposed to give it to him earlier. It's a Bible. And I was supposed to give it to every one of the guys. Should I do it next year? But then some of the guys will be gone. You'll get rid of some. What do I do? And he says, I'll make the announcement. And so Ray Malavese made the announcement for me. He he let me speak to the whole team. And and I, I gave everyone a Bible. And I tell you this story because there was a, they, they they sat in groups in the meetings and, and there was always, there was this one group that was just the the, the guys that kind of were rowdy. They were rowdy and, and none of them, none of them really came to Bible study to my knowledge. None of them came to any of our chapels. They were just kind of rowdy guys and I could relate to them. I loved those guys. I just loved that group. And one of them, I won't tell you who, but to make to this day it makes me cry. <coughs> At the end of the, at the end of me giving all the Bibles out to all the guys, he looked at it. He stood up in front of the whole team. He says, if any of you throw this away, he says, I'm going to fight you. He says, this was one of the nicest gifts we received. And he said, John, thank you. I mean, I came from a non-believer. I thought, wow, wow, what a sweet thing. I never forget that as long as I live. I understand that that man came to Christ later on in his life. Yeah, you never know when you plant a seed that might be, that might bear fruit. So when Jesus Christ was reclining with this people at this dinner, um, there were sinners there, and people were wondering why did Jesus Christ hang around with sinners? Well, I think I know why. When the Pharisees, those self self-righteous religious guys, they saw him. They said, why does your teacher, why does Jesus Christ, they said to the disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors? Why does he eat with the sinners? But Jesus overheard them saying that. And he said, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but rather it is those who are sick who need a physician. But go, he says in verse 13 of of Matthew chapter 9, go and learn what this means i desire compassion and not sacrifice well i'll tell you what it means i've i kind of cross referenced it jesus knew they knew what he was saying because in samuel in the book of first samuel chapter 15 verse 22 samuel said to the nation of israel the lord Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices as He does in obeying His voice? Samuel answered his own question. He said, Behold, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. It is better to heed than to burn the fat of a ram. In other words, he is saying it is better for obedience. And that's what our Lord was saying The reason I come to sinners is because they know they need a Savior. You, he said to them, being self-righteous, you Pharisees, you don't even recognize the fact that you need a Savior. And so I go to those who are in need. A sinner knows that they need a Savior. Lastly, he also accepts us impartially. His promises are irrefutable. In John 6, 37, Jesus states, All that the Father gives to me, will come to me. And all that come to me, I will certainly not cast out. If you accept Him as your Savior, He will not cast you out. You are part of the family. Our Lord God Himself is bound by His own word, that He will accept any person without qualification who receives or comes to Him by faith. Peter learned this lesson really well. Acts chapter 10, great chapter. Absolutely great chapter. Peter's hungry, goes into this sleep or trance, it says in the Bible, and he, he sees food being lowered down from a sheep from heaven. A great story, And the food that he sees being lowered down is food that as a Jew he could not eat. But a voice comes from heaven and says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, No, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is unholy or unclean. And the Lord said, What I have cleaned, you no longer consider unholy. Then, Peter was right in the same, after that incident happened, Peter was called by the Lord to go to a house, a Gentile house, to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius. Cornelius begged for, for salvation. And Peter made this statement, opening his mouth in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. Peter said, I most certainly now understand. In other words, now I know why that trance happened. Now I know why I saw that thing about food to eat. That God is not one to show partiality. You see, Peter was now talking to Gentiles who, whom he did not have anything to do with. But he says in verse 35, But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right is welcome to the Lord. That's a great word. And why does the Lord accept us? Why, why we started. The reason the Lord accepts us so clearly is so that you and I can glorify Him. This would be a great lesson for you to learn. But walk out of here with maybe nothing else but this. God established His eternal plan for salvation simply and wholly to glorify Himself. Not you, not me. When we come to Christ, it is our opportunity, our one-time gift to God to glorify Him. After we become a believer then our gift to God to glorify Him is by being obedient, serving Him. But I'm talking about salvation right now. And everything you and I do should be done to His glory. Paul says in, in Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve, not man. Again, listen to Paul. He says, for him who is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that you might ask or think. This is Ephesians chapter 3. He says, uh, to him be the glory in the church. I close with this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Great verses. God exclaims this about his son. It says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 that God Almighty highly exalted His Son Jesus Christ and He bestowed upon Jesus Christ the name which is above every name. Why? Why did He give Jesus a name which is above every name? He tells us. So that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow. Whether you be in heaven or whether you be on earth or whether you be under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. You want to glorify the Lord today? Let's get back to what we started with in in chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another. Just as Christ has accepted you for the glory of God. I don't know all of you here. I know that uh, this this particular week I, I received a uh, a text from someone that in this congregation. I'm trying to see if they're here because I haven't asked them permission. I'm not going to tell you who it is anyways. But um, I received a text from someone in our congregation that said, just purely and simple, I pray to receive Christ. You now have another soul that's going to be with you in heaven. I'll tell you what, that's the reason we open these doors, folks salvation is given to any and all of us, if you're here this morning, and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you, for whatever reason, wonder if you have, thought you have, not sure, but thought you have, I want to say to you, there's nothing more freeing than knowing that you've accepted Christ. I'll tell you why I've remembered March the 12th, 1973. March the 12th, 1973, was the day, the afternoon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, basically, that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. March the 12th. The reason to me that day is important is because when I mess up, and boy, do I mess up, I can remember back to that day. I don't have to accept Jesus Christ again. I just have to deal with my sin and ask for forgiveness. But I am a believer and I am a part of heaven just as much now as I'll ever be. I want you to have that. So what's today? May the 4th. And it's the year 2014. And it's 10-12. 2000? Oh, it's ten fourteen. <laughs> that's right. This clock's wrong. I'm going by that one. But let's go. Yours is right on because that's that's earth time, right? Or whatever. So it's 10:14, maybe 15. This is a perfect day, a perfect time to come to Christ. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Ask Him to make you the type of person He has created you to be anyway. And for those of us who know, and I think that's probably most here in this room, as at least as I see and look into your beautiful faces. Um, most of you know and trust in Christ. But maybe... Maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from having that pure fellowship with Him. Maybe there's some sin, something that is holding you back from that joy of fellowship. Deal with it. If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so we got, by that clock, we got two minutes. By yours, I'm late. Um... I'm going to take the next two minutes to just be quiet and let you deal with what needs to be dealt with. If you come to Christ for the first time, would you let some of us know? Just tell us. We don't want to do anything more than just try to help. Uh, For those of you that just want to get rid of something that you've been carrying that you shouldn't be carrying, just ask the Lord to forgive you. I'll pray in about one minute. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the souls that are coming and wrestling with you right now. Uh, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they will give their hearts to you just by faith, asking you to forgive them of their sin, asking you to come into their hearts, make them the type of person you've created them to be. For those of us that need to just come before you and say, Lord, we've messed up, please forgive us. I thank you for that too, Father. May we walk into our breakfast and um, just with overjoyed, Father, knowing that we have had a wonderful time with you. And while I'm at it, Father, will you bless the food that we're about to eat. And uh, thank you for Tony for making up the best uh, biscuits and gravy in the whole world. Uh, Thank you for him, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.